featuring interviews and commentary from Animal Rights Zone, the online social network for humans who seek justice for other animals. You can find us on the web at www.arzone.net. I'm your host, Carolyn Bailey. In today's episode, Tim Geyer and I are pleased to welcome back to AR Zone, Dr. Will Tuttle. Dr. Tuttle, who holds a Master's in Humanities and a PhD in Education, has recently completed an international speaking tour, travelling to Taiwan and throughout Australia and New Zealand. Will is the author of the best-selling book, The World Peace Diet, and his work makes explicit the invisible connections between our food, our culture, and a broad range of problems. He offers solutions to these problems based on a respect for all living beings. Dr. Tuttle joins us today to talk about his work and to tell us about his experience speaking to sold-out audiences throughout his tour. Will, thank you for visiting with us today and welcome back to AR Zone. Hi, Carolyn, and uh, hello, everyone who's listening. Uh, yeah, it's uh, really, for me, I, I always love actually being on AR Zone. I think you guys do one of the very best of the animal rights and vegan um, uh, presentations and help give a wide variety of perspectives on how we can increase our effectiveness uh, to help liberate animals, non-human animals, and ourselves, really. And so I'm glad to be here. And actually, um, it was great to, to work with you, Carolyn, so much on the Australian part of the tour. And I really appreciate your help uh, setting up the tour in Australia. It was great. So thanks. And, great, and it's great to be on the air zone. You're very kind. Thank you, Will. Will, this whole tour was a huge undertaking. What was it that convinced you and Madeline to make the trip to Taiwan, Australia and New Zealand? And why was it important to you that you do so at this time? Well, the main thing, you know, as as the years have gone by, uh, you know, the last maybe five or six years since the World Peace Diet came out and uh, I started... Uh, almost immediately uh, getting uh, emails from people, uh, mainly in Australia, not so much in New Zealand, a few from New Zealand, but mainly from Australia, uh, saying how much they they liked the book and ordering copies of the World Peace Diet and asking if I could maybe come to New Ze- to uh, Australia you know, and um, give a lecture or something. But we were always living uh, in, on the road in our um, RV traveling and we were not in uh, on the west coast of the United States very much and it just seemed literally like a, going to another world and I just, I just said well sometime <laughs> maybe uh, and then Madeline you know Madeline uh, my wife uh, had been uh, visit had visited uh, Australia and New Zealand a few times and was always telling me that it would be really uh, lovely if we could go there it's, you know they're both beautiful countries and interesting and so finally, uh, about a year and a half ago, we settled down partially here. We actually got a house in California. We still do travel in the RV quite a bit, but uh, we realized that there was a possibility now that we could go, and we just thought about it more, and we um, put the word out to a few people, and you were one of them, Carolyn, for sure, and got a positive response to um, you know to be able to set something up. And then at the same time, uh, the, the World Peace Diet had been translated, I guess, about three years ago into classical Chinese, and uh, which is the form of Chinese that's used in Taiwan. On the mainland, there's a whole different uh, way of writing. It's called simplified Chinese, and the, the World Peace Diet is coming out, in, I guess, in June in simplified Chinese. But it came out a, couple, a few years, probably three years ago, 
classical Chinese in Taiwan and did really well. I, I remember getting some links to uh, television shows where people were discussing the World Peace Diet. I couldn't understand them, but I, they were holding it up and they were talking Chinese and they were, you know, it was obviously getting a lot of play and they were selling a lot of books. So, um, so I, you know, we thought it would be great to go to Taiwan as well, and it really was. I mean, going to Taiwan was uh, quite a, an eye-opening experience for me on many levels. Thanks, Will. From people that I've spoken with um, here in Australia, and particularly directly after many of your presentations, the, re the reaction to both your message and the presentations was overwhelmingly positive. Did you sense that as well, both in Australia as well as in Taiwan and New Zealand? And if so, why do you think so many people absolutely embraced you and Madeline and were so open to hearing your message? Well, that's a really um, good question, and it's very kind of you to say, but I think, it, and it did seem true. I mean, it seemed like uh, we were really um, speaking a message that certainly some people uh, were really embracing, the people who came. And, uh, and I found that actually over the years, you know, I think the more uh, we address people uh, with, a, with, with, um, the vegan, with the vegan message, in a way that that helps people see that we're we're not merely critiquing and um, and angry at the system, but that we have a positive uh, solution that's uh, life affirming and joy producing and and um, and, and uh, better not only for animals but for us as well. Uh, then it mobilizes enthusiasm, I think, and. Um, when I was in Taiwan, I think it was different in all three countries, you know, just briefly in Taiwan, uh, there was, it's a Buddhist country and they knew, I think before I came, that I was a former Buddhist, Zen monk, a Buddhist monk. And they liked, I think, just basically a lot of the people in Taiwan who are, um, they call it vegetarians. Uh, they have a word called pure vegetarian if they're vegan or, or don't eat, you know, any, uh, any animal foods at all. And, um, and, and so there was this sense that this is a tradition in our country to be vegetarian. So there's a lot of people who are vegetarian. There's over, I found out when I got there, there's over 1,500 uh, certified vegetarian restaurants. But bringing the spiritual dimension in, or the, you know, in, the, in, the, um, uh, in the Buddhist way, which is not uh, uh, doctrinaire at all, it's basically saying that uh, if we are more mindful and aware of our actions and the consequences of our actions, then we will reduce um, our delusion, we'll increase uh, the happiness not only in our own lives, but the happiness of others and create a more enlightened society. Uh, because Buddhism is really a non-theistic religion and it's really focused on, on quieting the mind and cultivating compassion for all living beings. And so Ahimsa, which is the core teaching of veganism, is also the core teaching of Buddhism. And uh, so when I was in um, Taiwan, I just saw a country where the people uh, in many ways are, are far ahead of us in the United States or in the rest of the world in terms of being able to uh, eat vegetarian foods and have laws that sort of encourage vegetarianism, like have policies, you know, meatless Mondays and this and that in the schools. 93% of the schools have that. And even though there's, yeah, you know, there's that people are, you know, do eat meat, there's an awful lot of people who don't. 
And the dairy is, a, is sort of one of the things that they're wrestling with. And um, moving to veganism is um, something that more and more people are doing as they see that it, the violence towards animals uh, for food and for in dairy products in particular and eggs. So, um, so in Taiwan, I think it was embraced, especially because there was this feeling, two, two things. One, that, it, that it, I resonated with them uh, because I was a Buddhist also. And so like we were all part of the same big family, that, that kind of a feeling. I think they really loved that, that I was a Westerner, but I, that I honored and appreciated their tradition. But also I think I um, really felt that Taiwan uh, was doing things that we, the rest of the world could emulate, you know, really being able to uh, pass laws, like I was saying, or work on legislation to reduce um, uh, the amount of um, meat and dairy that people are eating, and to encourage that, and just uh, create, having lots of health food stores that were ve vegetarian, basically pretty much vegan with organic, and the, the Buddhist communities there really do that. So. I was telling the people that you know that they are showing the world a new way, which I really felt. But they really, I think, loved getting that kind of affirmation, and it was encouraging for them. So I think that was one of the reasons it went so well there. We had 2,200 people come to one lecture, and 1,800 people come to another lecture, and then a number of other lectures that were, um, you know, three or four hundred that were you know, like in a hospital. We had a, they have a vegetarian hospital there. We had. Uh, I did a press conference with, um, with some leading politicians and so forth. So it was really a very high kind of like I was treated like a celebrity. You know, I, got, I got off the plane and there was video cameras running all the time and you know, that kind of thing. So that was, um, that was a very uh, um, sort of enthusiastic kind of ex uh, experience. And when I got to Australia, um, I felt a very similar uh, energy as a, in uh, in the Western, in, but not in you know the Taiwanese people are are um, in the Asian tradition. There's much more of a tradition, I think, of really honoring people who are uh, teachers. You know, there was this like when I walked into the hall, you know, just from the back, and you know, the whole place stood up and clapped. You know, there was this feeling of like this is something that they're sort of used to as a culture. It wasn't just for me; it was just what they do. And but when I got to Australia, I felt this similar feeling of people who are and uh, the people we stayed with, the people that put on help put on the uh, events, uh, really being committed to this, having this enthusiasm that we can make a difference, we are making a positive change, and um, so it was um, it was just I think it went uh, so well in Australia because. Uh, a number of people in Australia had read the World Peace Diet and resonated with the message and were enthusiastic to share that with other people. I think that helped quite a bit. And then, of course, when we got to New Zealand, it was more difficult in a sense because I think the book just wasn't known there very well. I wasn't known there. It was like oh, nobody had read the World Peace Diet, and, you know, very few, and were aware of it. And so um, we still, I think, it all turned out well, but there was a sense of, being in a completely different kind of environment in New Zealand where it's an animal agriculture society where everywhere you look there are dairies and animal agriculture, lots of animals, not many people. It's just run that way. And I, I saw a lot of environmental devastation in um, New Zealand, especially from animal agriculture, more than I saw in Australia. 
uh, and uh, a lot more, of course, than you know, Taiwan, which doesn't really have much of an animal agriculture industry at all. So, uh, so there was this whole feeling in New Zealand of uh, uh, that, that whoever comes to the to the talks is really in a tiny minority, <laughs> whereas in Taiwan it was more of a it's more of a mainstream movement, and uh, so it has more uh, it's easier it's much more easy to get mass media coverage, to get uh, everyone agrees basically what you're saying is right, you know, which is really a a nice feeling compared to uh, in the West, typically, as a vegan, your message is treated very often with, uh, with skepticism or uh, defensiveness. And uh, I found that more in New Zealand, of course, than in Australia. Uh, but in Australia, there was uh, really this uh, overall sense that uh, the uh, spiritual, you know, I felt this you know, really, that the, the, the spiritual dimension is also very important, that we want to uh, not just uh, be vegans and uh, be angry or, or just work on the level of um, uh, rational uh, uh, logistical strategies and so forth of how we can bring the message, but really to transform ourselves. That veganism really is a path of self-transformation and it's not just, it's not only being compassionate to animals, it's being also compassionate to other human beings and changing ourselves at a deep level so that we embody what veganism is, uh, loving kindness and compassion for all living beings, and that as we do that as individuals, we become much more empowered to be effective as a movement. And this is sort of a, an idea that I, I realized uh, was very important to Mahatma Gandhi. He talked about uh, there can be no uh, positive social change without positive personal change. And, and I think in... Um, in Taiwan and in Australia too, there was a deep recognition of this among the animal rights people that uh, we have as, as vegans, not merely to just give up eating meat, dairy products, and eggs, and wool, silk, and leather, and all that, and then, then that's it. That's the end of the story. You don't have to do anything else. I have to change everybody else. But rather, that uh, that's just the beginning, and uh, now as vegans, we, we are called to deepen our, our understanding of the message, and instead of blaming and shaming non-vegans or pre-vegans, as we sometimes say, uh, to help all of us um, see that we're all born into a culture that forces us to repress our natural compassion and natural wisdom by forcing us to participate in meal-time rituals uh, of violence towards non-human animals. That's not only devastating to the, to the animals and the environment, but really to our, the landscape of our own inner uh, wisdom and integrity, and so instead of uh, judging other people, realize that you know people are wounded. Uh, they've been forced to participate in these rituals of violence since they were little infants, and they're just following orders. And so instead of opposing them, to to to, to come at this whole thing with this idea that we're all on the same side, and the only thing we're opposing is a cultural program that we've internalized, all of us. Even if we're vegans, we've still internalized this program. And we uh, are called, I think, if we're really serious about being effective advocates, to transform ourselves and to, as best we can, question the program that's been injected into us so that we're uh, not excluding others from our compassion. Because eating animal foods essentially is an action 
of exclusion. It's like, I don't care about pigs and cows and chickens, and I don't care about the environment, and I don't care about hungry people. You know, this is, that's basically what's going on. And as vegans, if we say, well, I don't care about you know, the, the uh, uh, slaughterhouse workers, or I don't care about the executives that are making all this money or whatever, uh, killing the animals, we have to, in a sense, I think, try to embrace everyone with understanding at least. And I found that that message uh, touched people in all three countries, uh, and um, I was really glad to see it because I think it shows that, to me, the vegan movement is maturing and uh, we're beginning to recognize the beauty, really, of, um, of what it is to be a vegan. I mean, the, the, the beautiful possibilities that we have as human beings to create a better world, and we, we're only here for a short time on this planet. I feel that more and more, this, this, uh, this um, life, one human lifetime. So um, to use our, our precious time here as effectively as possible by not only helping others, but by really deepening our own uh, understanding of what veganism is. Something that I find incredible, and I suspect most people in countries like Australia and the United States would find incredible, are some of the things that you've mentioned about Taiwan, um, such as meat-free hospitals and meat-free weekdays in 93% of their public schools. Um, I mean, I, I couldn't imagine that happening in Australia at the moment. You've also mentioned that Taiwan doesn't have a very strong animal agricultural industry. They import most of their animal products. Comparing Taiwan to New Zealand and the attitudes of the different people in the different countries, can you, I know you've already touched on it, but can you speak about how those attitudes are different um, and how that's impacted by the, the size and the power of the agricultural industries in each country and what we can learn and do with that knowledge in regard to um, forming the way we advocate for other animals? Yeah, one of the things I think we can learn, you know, it, it's just to, just to be aware of it, I guess. You know, it was so interesting when I was in Taiwan and it began sinking into me that they are free, really, in many ways of this huge obstacle that we're constantly dealing with, which is the incredible power of the animal agriculture industry and the pharmaceutical industry. I think they really work together to control the media and to really not allow the vegan message to get out there to the people very well. I mean, it, it's difficult. And also to control the political apparatus, uh, you know, to, to not allow, uh, say, attacks on meat or, a, uh, or policies that would really um, promote educating the public about the benefits of a plant-based diet. You know, if, if, when we try to do these kind of things in, in the United States, we are, we are just... We, we come up against incredibly powerful, rich, wealthy lobbies and, and paid-off politicians. They're passing ag-gag laws. Or, you, know, if you, even, you can't even go in you know, in some states and even take any video undercover. I mean, there's just this huge pushback uh, on every, every, every level. Uh, because of, because there's so much money in this and, and so much of the land is taken over. And when I was in New Zealand, that was one of the main questions I got was, well, you know, if, you, if you're talking about reducing dairy consumption or meat consumption, you're anti-New Zealand. <laughs> this, is our, this is the foundation of our whole economy. You know, you're going to 
trying yeah. to sink us here or something and you know and um so the freedom that they that you know we can have a press conference with with you know the the senate whip i mean he's like the top, one of the top politicians in the entire taiwan and we talked candidly about what a good idea it would be to have a tax on meat and and uh so forth so i think um there's uh just to to see uh this clearly i think is helpful and um one of the things you know that i was really impressed with in taiwan that kind of maybe goes along with this too it's a little maybe a little different but um was the fact that in that country there's just more com- there's a stronger community of people I and mean, people are just more connected with each other i could just feel it everywhere you go. you know and i noticed that when i was in denmark in korea and i came back uh, to the united states i suddenly i since i had never left the united states i didn't realize it, but when i came back I just one of the things that hit me harder than anything else is how individualistic we are in this society. How everyone is basically alone. You know, we we we're kind of on our own, just doing what we can. We're responsible for ourselves, and we have to make it. And we're kind of competing with each other. And in Taiwan, there's just this different feeling. It's like there's it's communities. It's communities, really strong, linked up communities of people that are connected, families and communities and religions and all this stuff. And so it was easier, much easier for them, I think, to just, you know, you know get out, you know, 2,000 people to come to an event. That's never, that's unprecedented as far as I know. No one's ever, come, ever anywhere has gotten 2,000 people to come to a vegan, you know, just out of the blue, just come and hear a vegan talk in the West, anything, anywhere in the world, because I think the, the, the um, communities got behind it and, and um, they, it was something that they, that they wanted uh, people to hear. And so, um, I, you know, I had this really interesting, for example, um, PowerPoint. They, this one um, uh, Buddhist organization um, got, you know, they had the top people and they, they put together a PowerPoint, really, a presentation just for me. And they wanted me to understand what they'd been doing. So they showed me this PowerPoint presentation and basically talked about how they wanted to, to create uh, a, a situation in Taiwan where they got away from eating uh, foods with pesticides. They want everything to be organic. And so they just uh, went to farmers who were um, uh, you know, conventional farmers, and they said, "We, if you will go organic, we'll buy your produce. And they first, of course, the farmers didn't want to do it, but they said, well, look, we guarantee, you mean you guarantee to buy it? We guarantee we'll buy it. You know, so, and then at the same time, they started setting up little um, health food stores uh, that were, uh, they call them vegetarian. They're basically vegan. They have maybe have a few dairy things, but they're basically vegan. They're basically plant-based stores. And uh, everything's organic. And so they just created, so they, they, so they created a, a, um, a, a supply and a demand. You know, they fulfilled the demand. They created a store and they started. And they did this, started this, I think, about 25 years ago. And just gradually, they just kept doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it. And now, when I was there, they had 97 stores. <laughs> around wow. Taiwan, I mean, they're everywhere, wow. uh, and they, I guess they're over a hundred now, and um, and they have, you know, and most of the agriculture now in Taiwan is organic, because this one group just decided to do it. This is a totally grassroots effort. They didn't get any government help. They just did it. They just did it. They just went out and started doing it, and 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 they have these profitable uh, ventures, and uh, it's a, you know, it's it's a kind of a Buddhist thing. They do it as a service. Um, but I, I was thinking, you know, that this community uh, that they have, and without all this resistance, 
they didn't have all the resistance from the industry, so it just really worked great. And um, so I'm, I'm thinking we can learn something from that. I think there's, um, there's, there's possibilities for us at a grassroots level, and I do see it here, of community gardens, of, of, of creating uh, situations where we cooperate with each other to feed each other fruits and vegetables and, and grains the way they're doing in Taiwan. It's fascinating, Will. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. As a general matter, Will, what were the goals that you had set yourself and what did you hope to accomplish from the tour? Well, you know, the, the main thing was really for, for, for me to go with going there was to do the best I could to spread the vegan message in these three countries, to work with the local people uh, to help, uh, you know, us work together to to raise consciousness about the huge ramifications of uh, of imprisoning animals for food and other products, and um, I feel that from what I can tell that it, it went really well in the sense that all three countries in Taiwan, besides the many uh, people that came to the events, there was everything was covered in the mass media. Like I said earlier, there was no resistance to it. The mass media just came out and. I heard from people, I didn't, of course couldn't read Chinese unfortunately, but people said that it was covered in all four major daily newspapers as well as magazines and on the, and on the television and radio and everything else. So it reached you know, millions of people actually. And I felt the same way in Australia. There was, uh, we did, you know, you helped a lot, I have to say, Carolyn, you know, setting up so many radio interviews. We, had, we did radio interviews on not just... Um, uh, on um, stations and with uh, interviewers that are sympathetic to the vegan message. We did some of those, but also just mainstream. So it was getting out to a lot of people who didn't actually come to um, the events as well as interviews in uh, print media and so forth. And uh, so I just felt there was this um, wonderful synergy that happened. I think, you know, what I was hoping, I guess, was that by my being there in Australia, and actually Taiwan and New Zealand too, that uh, local activists would have um, something to kind of rally around to help bring the public uh, to, uh, to the lectures or to have them hear it somehow through interviews or media coverage. And also that it would also to bring the vegan community together too. Because what I found is, you know, the, the vegan people, uh, even if we're vegans, it's difficult to be a vegan in our society. And a lot of people don't really understand veganism, even though they're vegans very deeply. So to not only educate the, the non-vegan, you know, masses, <laughs> but also to help educate each other, you know, people who are vegans to help, you know, go deeper with the understanding and then to work together to cooperate uh, in a joint venture where we're doing it for the common good for everyone to strengthen the movement, uh, not only uh, from the inside, but also uh, on, on the outside as well. And I have to say it feels to me that um, that the, lo the local people in Australia and New Zealand really did work together very well and get the word out and bring people and, uh, um, you know, just the whole idea that uh, to, to be a vegan and to be a vegan advocate or activist uh, is often a very lonely thing in our culture. We're, we're criticized for it. And so to do, an, to do a series of events that celebrate veganism and that bring a positive message of encouragement and uh, the, the rightness of this, uh, I think, uh, just helps move the whole thing forward. Because I think, really, there's nothing more important we can do at this point uh, 
uh, on every level, especially environmentally, well, every level, uh, um, to um, get our societies to move toward a plant-based diet. Fantastic. I, I actually agree very strongly with that. And I think one thing that I noticed was that um, it certainly brought vegans together and there was a sense of community the entire time that you were in Australia. So um, thank you for that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I was, I was wondering if you thought that. But I, I, my feeling was that it was just beautiful. People were so giving, so willing to uh, just help out whoever they could. We were, we were amazed almost every single day, especially in Australia, of how generous and kind and caring uh, people were to help, you know, because when you're doing this, this whole tour like that with so many events, almost an event every single day, and we have to travel and get there and do this and stay somewhere and fly, you know, it needs a lot of people pitching in and helping to, to have it work. And uh, it was beautiful to see how well people uh, were willing to chip in and how if people hadn't read the World Peace Diet, they would read it in order they would understand it better and they could share it with people. And um, it was also a really, I have to say, a special um, uh, help uh, in Australia from the, um, the Loving Hut people. They were really great. They, uh, they were um, helping us a lot too. And um, it was just, uh, it's just wonderful to see these communities uh, that are bringing forth the vegan mess. I feel like the Loving Hut people, you know, they really, they have the largest chain of vegan restaurants in the world. And, they're really doing it as a, uh, a service. They're not doing it to make money. They're really doing it to help bring the message through, through vegan food. And they were very, very helpful to us. Um, there was a lot of people, you know, Gypsy Wolf, of course, in Perth, and you everywhere. <laughs> and, uh, you know, wonderful people. Phil Wallen and Trix down in uh, Melbourne and Natasha um, and Luca. And, I mean, there's just, I, I hate to start naming names, but there's yeah. so many people to help. But, but it seemed like everywhere we went, we found... Uh, people of goodwill who uh, are, it's very inspiring, you know, it gives, for me, it really gives the sense of giving uh, a sense of hope that we humans do have a side that is beautiful and, and, and to help cultivate that. And uh, I think that's really one of the best things we can do. Absolutely. I, I second what you said about the Loving Heart people. They are, are um, some of the most amazing and generous people that I've ever met in my entire life. They, they, I couldn't possibly speak high enough about them. Right. Yeah, I felt the same way. Yeah, definitely. And I found that it, you know, in other countries too. It's the same. They're just wonderful. Yeah. Well, given that the tour, at least here in Australia and in New Zealand, was organised and promoted from within the advocacy community, do you think that you were able to reach beyond the advocacy community and um, beyond those who were so, you know, as people say, already converted? Well, it's hard to say exactly. I didn't take um, uh, really, uh, you know, I didn't really... Uh, checked to, to find out um, who in all these different venues, uh, you know, what, what their status is uh, on being vegan or pre-vegan or non-vegan or whatever. And, um, but my feeling was that there were a lot of people, and I heard, you know, from some of the organizers in the various venues that there were, um, you know, people who are already vegans and they were there for that to, to just sort of um, be part of this and learn more and so forth, but that there were a lot of people who were um, not yet vegans and or even vegetarians, 
And um, I think there was uh, quite an effort made by the uh, organizers in the different cities uh, in Australia to to reach out to the general public and get the uh, get the word out to you know just to the to people. There's so many progressives who are uh, eating meat and dairy, but they're but they're you know they're progressive. They're they're kind of open to uh, the possibility of changing. And I think there was a lot of effort made to help uh, spread the message to those people. And we, we, um, you know, I, I spoke at some unity churches, and I know those people are somewhat, typically never vegan at all, not even vegetarian. But uh, I found that they were open to the message, and some of them came to some of the events, and there were other um, examples of that too. So it's hard to know exactly. You know, we always, of course, want to push the, the message out beyond the, um, uh, the boundaries of people who are already vegans. Uh, but like I say, I think it's very important to also recognize that there's a lot of people who are vegans right now who in five years you talk to them and they're not vegans anymore you know, unless, um, unless they get encouraged and helped along. They, you don't want to lose people who are vegans. So I think it's good to talk to, to both, both people. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Well, your message, as you've mentioned, is um, based on an understanding of uh, some sort of spirituality at work um, in the universe. And I'm wondering uh, if you get pushback on that and whether you have something to offer to people who flatly reject any sort of spirituality or purpose in the world. Yeah, I don't. I don't mind that. Actually, I, I like it if people um, have that more of that perspective because, you know, my my idea of spirituality is um, not. It, it's really more a, uh, the idea of being psychologically open and emotionally mature, and um, being. Uh, you don't have to believe anything. You don't have to. It's not like I think in the West we think. When we think of spirituality, especially when we think of religion, you know, we think, well, you have to you have to buy into some belief system or something like that. And you know, the Zen tradition, really, which is what I come out of, my my interest is, is radical questioning. It's just questioning everything. Question everything. You know, question everything. That's that's really what it is. Question. You know, you're questioning your, the, the the essential nature of 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 the being that we think we are, and that calls into question everything. So. Uh, I'm. I don't get much pushback because I'm not. I'm not holding anything for people to push against. You know, I'm. Not, I'm just saying, question everything. Question your your own programming. That's it. You know, be mindful, be aware, and and don't just be a programmed automaton going through life. You know, because a lot of people who are questioning religion and they're proud of that um, are indoctrinated into the scientific view. You know, that everything is separate. This matter is all there is. So I question that. I think we have to question question all those things, and um, I'm happy to engage anybody really because I I think uh, I don't know I don't know the answers I can't say what the ultimate nature of reality is I think we have to uh, just question uh, all of the ideas that we have in our minds and quiet you know I, I advocate quieting the mind and coming to uh, a deeper understanding uh, that. I think really when, when that happens, then there's a natural uh, compassion that begins to emerge within us, 
where we realize that we're not just a fundamentally separate self, that we are an expression of something which is not a thing, <laughs> and uh, that life is far greater than we realize. But that's not. But I don't have to. I'm not trying to convince anybody of that. You, we have to discover that on our own. We live in a society. I just remind people that we live in a society that works very hard to make us forget all that, to make us think that I'm just a material thing, I'm just a piece of meat, like the animals are just a piece of meat. I have to compete with others and I have to get what I want. And that that just dumbs us down, makes us into consumers, makes us, uh, reduces, our, reduces us to slaves, essentially. We don't realize it, but that's what it does. And so we, if we want to be free, we have to question the program that's not only outside us that we see in our society, but that we actually have internalized by virtue of the fact that we've been born into this system and been forced to eat meat and dairy is one of the biggest parts of it. So that's a great question, and I think I'm, I'm happy to talk to anybody about you know anything. And I, but I do have to say, you know, there has been a little bit of pushback, I think. But I don't, I don't, you know, I don't. It's rare I, that I actually hear it. But I, I've, I've had some people say, well, I like your book, but that one chapter you have about um, the uh, what's it called, the metaphysics of food, where I, I talk about the idea that there's perhaps more to life than just a material level. Some people just don't like that. They think, no, 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 there's, there's material levels, all there is, that's it. And I think, all right, if you don't like it, you know, that's okay. That's, but, but, the, uh, but that's what we've been taught, and you know, we've been taught that. I think it's good to question it. Will, was there one thing that you encountered or discovered during the tour that surprised you? Well, what really surprised me, I think, more than anything, uh, two, I mean, I kind of mentioned it already. One was the uh, just finding myself in Taiwan. In a, I didn't realize the um, uh, the extent to which they, the progress that these people had made in in bringing veganism along, you know, in, in vegetarianism, but they call it vegetarianism, but bringing it along. That was to me was really surprising. It was a very positive surprise. The negative surprise, I'd have to say, um, was I had no idea that New Zealand had been so devastated by dairy. I, I was just horrified. <laughs> I was shocked. I was really, it was terrible, really. To I mean, because Madeline had been to New Zealand, but it had been like 30 years ago, and she was telling me how beautiful New Zealand is, how gorgeous and how lush and how wonderful you know, and then we drove around, you know, I mean, we didn't see the whole country, but we saw you know, both the South Island and the North Island and, and, and dry, it's flying over, too. I mean, it's reckless uh, clear-cutting of huge amounts of forest everywhere to grow grain, to graze animals, and hearing from people of all walks of life how the, the streams are all brown. We And we saw it ourselves. It was hard to swim in... In Australia, we were able to swim in the streams quite a bit. In New Zealand, it was hard because they were polluted uh, with cow manure, and, and uh, it just ruined that beautiful country. Uh, I was that was really uh, quite sad to see. It's not. I mean, it's not totally ruined, but they're going. They're they're just. Uh, uh, I don't know. It seems very uh, very extreme what they're doing in New Zealand to devastating the environment there for dairy. Yeah, absolutely. Will, we've almost run out of time today, but is there anything that you'd like to mention that we may not have thought of? Well, one thing, too, I, I'll just mention quickly, which I think was kind of neat. We had the opportunity when we were in New Zealand in the far north, kind of pretty far up in the north in Kaikeia, 
to stay with um, a vegan community. You know, there aren't many vegan communities in the world. At least, I mean, there are some. They're usually religious. You know, like the um, the Supreme Master people. They live some of them in vegan communities. And I think there's some Thich Nhat Hanh uh, and some Zen monasteries. And like the uh, the monasteries in Taiwan, basically are vegan communities too. But th- but there's a community called Gentle World. They're basically they're half the year in, on the Big Island in Hawaii and half the year in um, the North Island of of um, New Zealand, about 25 or 30 people there, and it's a community that's founded on veganism. <laughs> They're just the most gung-ho vegans you can imagine, and they, a lot of them have been vegans for 35 or 40 years, and um, they have, you know, these a community, you know, really a functioning community where people uh eat together, it's all vegan, and uh, their whole mission really is to bring the vegan message to the world, and they sponsored one of the talks I gave in New Zealand, and uh, then afterwards we went to their place and stayed there for a couple of days, and um, it was to me it was uh, very refreshing, because I actually became a vegetarian many years ago, and I um, lived for a little while at the farm in Tennessee in 1975, which at that point was virtually a vegan community, and uh, it's no longer doing that. And, there's, and I, you know, when we lived in an RV and traveled all those 17 years, we looked around all North America for vegan communities, and it's very hard to find any. It's weird in a way why there aren't more actual vegan communities, people living on the land, cooperating together, taking, growing their own food, having gardens, and being vegan. And I think there's so many people probably who are vegans who would love that. You know, it was so great being at the farm where, you know, parents could raise their kids. They had probably 200 kids there. They were all vegans. They all, the school was all vegan. The food was all vegan. You didn't have to worry if there was any meat or dairy. You didn't have to worry about, you know, the kids going to school or going to a birthday party and somebody trying to give them some meat or some cheese or, you know, just, that's what it was. A whole community it was, it was so great, you know, and, and to see that. Uh, a little bit of that at Gentle World. I remember the guy asked me, one of the fellows there asked me, because I'm, you know, since I travel so much, and so he said, is there any other vegan communities that you know of? And I had to say, you know, besides these religious ones, where you have to be a monk or a nun, basically, to be part of them, um, I don't know of any, really. I mean, there's a few small ones I've run across here and there, but uh, for the most part, I think that would be something, if anyone's listening um, who who uh, has a feeling in this direction? I think it would be really great to start pioneering, creating communities um, on the land that are vegan and self more self sufficient, and um, and really showing uh, that we can live this way. Because I think this is something uh, that would be just uh, it would be great. I think you know in a way I'm thinking about it right now. Some of the farm sanctuaries. Um, are in a sense, are vegan communities if the people really just live there and have it open to the public and uh, people come and see the animals. You know, those are in many ways like vegan communities also. But I think the more the more we can do this, and they can be great centers for transformation. Absolutely. Well, it's been our pleasure, as always, speaking with you today. Congratulations to both you and Madeline on a hugely successful tour, and thank you so much for everything that both you and Madeline continue to do on behalf of both humans and other animals. Thank you, Carolyn. I really appreciate your help, and thank you so much, Tim, for the work you're doing, both of you are doing here with AR Zones. Terrific. Thanks so much. Thanks, Will. Thank you for listening to AR Zone. 
please visit us online at www.alzone.net and look for us on iTunes.